Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt on Twitter. I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. I'm just going to go off an assumption here that you probably enjoyed your idle week more than myself and many of many of us enjoyed our actually playing week. Okay, glad you brought it up because uh, I got a friend that I went to school with, a good friend of mine, obviously a Line Eye fan. But if you gave if you gave each of us a hundred tokens and said, okay, put it into the basketball, you know, uh, yes. hoop or the 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 football field, where would you put your fandom, your Illini fandom? He'd probably put ninety three of those on basketball and seven in football, and I'd probably be flipped, you know, ninety three football, seven basketball. He's texting me. He's like, is it? Doesn't it feel weird that I'm I'm sad we're not playing football today? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's a strange feeling. I I know, man. Usually it's like. Such a relief, like that. Oh gosh, thank God. Let's just regroup and see what happens at a, at next week. But yeah, it was a little sad. But at the same time, it's also, you know, you're just in a comfortable place. Like That's what I was gonna say. Like you, so I can understand where like I, we're hot. I'd like to keep playing while we're hot, you know. But at the same time, man, you're congratulations, sole possession of first place right so, now. Yeah, content. in the Big Ten West, like for that to happen. While there was enough madness, and we'll get to a couple of these scores around here to, to make that happen, I, I don't know. That's that's so, about as good an idle week as you can hope. It's as good as you can hope. First place, but also control your own destiny. Like Back just, to controlling your own destiny. Yep. Just yeah. win win games. That's all you got to do. You you won this weekend. You might not have played. You you got a, you got a dub it, or two. It was a W, yeah, for it, it sure. It was a dub. It felt great. Uh, not so much for me. Uh, <laughs> no, no not Neither so with my team. Uh, or my personal financial moves, but mm. had enough of a cushion. I'm okay. However, <laughs> shout out to uh, my buddy Zedman, his beautiful wife and daughter. They're they're going to a college visit, so they stopped by the the DAC, spent the night. Oh, great times were had. Cooked cool. up some some good ribs, um, smoked some ribs. So uh, the Zedman saved the weekend from being a complete disaster, and I mean that. I, I, I was in a deep dark place by the time he he okay. came, but then we had we had a lot of fun. So. That's just how it goes sometimes. Like we'll talk on some of these teams on how exceedingly low they've been and now they feel better or high and now mm. they I mean, we say this every year, but it's just the reality. I mean, and I don't know, maybe I'm being dramatic. I feel like it it's even more this year. Um, because again, this is one of our first nothing's weird about this. Everything is normal. Yeah. So that therefore I feel like it is resulting in some more High, higher levels of emotion up and down. I don't know if that's true or not. It just maybe feels like it. It is weird. It does feel... I mean, I guess for me, it's easy, right? This is a great season. I mean... I'm having a great you, time. Do you have to look any different than who's sitting across the table from each other right now as far as who the highs are and right? who the lows are? How about it? <laughs> but it's reversed on how... Crazy. But because it's different for you and me, for where our teams were at, yeah. this feels more emotional than what... For sure. Pretty good example there, I think. All right, so 10 teams were in action this week, which was five games. Four teams were idled, as the previously discussed. Illinois fighting Illini, Michigan Wolverines also hot, Michigan State and Nebraska. First game up, Ohio State 54, Iowa 10. The Buckeyes with 360 yards of total offense. I have to think that's their lowest output of the year. I meant to look that up before we started recording. The Hawks with 158. That is the most points given up in the Kirk Ferentz era. And one would think that it's the biggest loss in the Kirk Ferentz era, too, when if it's the most points given up and you only score 10, I got to think that's you like biggest uh, deficit. Yeah. deficit. And I just looked it up. I noted that Ohio State only had 395 yards of total offense to Notre Dame. Okay. That's got to be their lowest output because everything else was they were crushing people. I'm so. assuming. I mean, yeah. so obviously this is a terrible Ohio State team. They just they're off the mark. They're they're just not going to accomplish anything that they had in front of them this year, right? So we're going to jump right into that. Yeah. So Ohio State fans, um, we'll be completely honest with you. We're having a little fun with you right now because one would have thought, certainly by the end of the first quarter, but even at at halftime, that the world had melted down and that all was wrong with with Buckeye Land 
I, because they were only up by what close to three touchdowns at halftime. I just it, I, I kept checking in on Twitter and thinking, am I watching a different game than everybody else? Because you you, you have Ohio State going against what I think is the best defense in the country. We're, you take, I mean, the only the only reason we talk about this, they're not statistically number one, is because their offense is so bad. If they had a better offense to to complement them, I think they would be statistically number one. But if I had to take a defense, I'm taking Iowa, and. Yeah, they, they're stalling out and they're kicking field goals because that's what Iowa does to you. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll say this: like, essentially, you know, there there was multiple Ohio State fans that are just saying, like, what is wrong with CJ? And it's like, okay, it's the first time this year he has looked poor. Maybe a little bit, Notre Dame. You know, I, I don't but, but even know. At poor. least take a little bit of time. Well, he started out the game with giving up the fumble he, six. The fumble six, okay, fine. and then a pick. Well, but that so pick he did start out. Pick wasn't until the second half. That was the first first possession, My second bad. half. Okay, but I don't think he had a touchdown yet, did he? Or did he? Let's have see, one? I'm going through the I'm going through the okay. the uh, the possessions. I, so field goal, then he gives up the fumble, then they have a touchdown right after that. Which was uh, that was a Mayan Williams rush Run. though. Okay. But then they have a field goal, field goal. Then they have another field goal. So yeah, he was he didn't throw a touchdown pass till the second half. Yeah. So I, it is fair to say C.J. Stroud started off struggling. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, even when you have a fumble that you give up and you don't have a touchdown pass <laughs> in that. I mean, when, for, when the comparison is throwing six touchdowns and no interceptions, and then you're you give up a. A fumble and you don't throw a touchdown. Sure, okay. I guess in comparison, yes, you're struggling. Fair enough. But even even a, a more normal quarterback, that that is a bit of a struggling first half. The point I'm trying to make is, but you know, the game was not even close to being over. You were still in a comfortable spot because of Iowa's offense, which obviously we'll talk about. Um, but like it's it's sort of like after you know Wisconsin losing to Illinois. And they fired their coach. And I asked you, is that kind of a slap in the face? Yeah. To me, it's a bit of a slap in yeah. the face from Ohio State fans when they're like, what is going on with our offense? It's like, guys, it's it's the other unit on the other side. Right. This is a elite. It's officially elite defense, yeah. even though I know all those points. I get it. Like people might scoff at that. But even even um, the, the TV crew, you know, they were uh, Clat and Gus. Yeah. And Clat was like ranting and raving about yes. the Iowa defense. And so it's, so I'm going to say one other thing though, because in the first half, maybe he didn't have any touchdowns and I don't remember where in the sequence of the game, these, these passes were, but he was throwing absolutely filthy passes that were perfectly placed. I mean, the guy's accuracy is off the charts. Like I, he is the most accurate quarterback in college football. I, I swear to God, I don't know that there's a whole lot of pros that are more accurate than him. I could not agree more. He is. There was a special. swing pass, a swing pass. I remember, and I was like, unbelievable how he literally hit the the running back in perfect stride. It, it wasn't an inch off in, in any direction. And for like the first touchdown pass, it was in the corner of the end zone. Oh, only place he could have put it. Only place. Like you, li I know this is an overused statement, but. He couldn't have froze time, ran down the field, I know and it. handed it off in a better spot. Like, so I, I still, I'm gonna say, I'm sorry. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad performance, even when it statistically wasn't good. Definitely not for C.J. Stroud. I guess the one thing is, and again, Iowa's defense is very good against the rush as well. Ohio State could not run the ball, whereas Michigan had more success running the ball versus Iowa. Yeah. So did Illinois. So yeah. that is the one thing, and it's funny because I don't see them complaining quite as much no. about the rushing attack right. as I right. did Stroud in the passing attack, where that is the one thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement. I don't even think it's that bold. Unless Ohio State meets Illinois in Indianapolis, this will be the toughest defense they will face the in, the rest of the year. For and sure. that and I, that I mean, counts if they get into the playoffs. I agree. I, I that's what I'm saying. Like Georgia is the only team that I can say might bow up and have as good of a defense as Iowa. Clemson, you're talking Alabama, about like the national, Tennessee. The national players you're talking about. Correct. Yeah. I, there's, just, there's just no great defenses up there. This no, year. So, really not. So guess what, Ohio State? This was a good game for you to go through this. Speaking of, you know who may have a great defense? 
Ohio State. They, they have, have a, a great, great defense. defense. I mean, well. I keep getting more and more impressed. I've been questioning their defense, and I, I actually got a little blowback from Ohio State fans at one point. And, yeah, they're right. This is a great defense. It's not as good as Iowa, but it's pretty damn good. It's a dang good defense. Um, I would say if you could combine uh, Ohio State's D-line with Iowa's back seven, that would be a filthy defense. This Absolutely. is a really good Ohio State D line. Uh, five sacks on the day, ten tackles for loss on the day. Even, I mean, even they're even getting good linebacker play, which we haven't seen in a number of years. Tommy Eichenberg is all over. He's the awesome. Place. Yeah, yeah. Steel Chambers has been good too. Um, still a little bit of concerns with the cornerbacks, but that doesn't make much. Nothing that's going to stress you too much when you're going against this Iowa passing attack. Yeah, you, you start, dude. I'm getting Kurt. I'm getting hit up on Twitter. I'm getting DMs. I'm getting text messages, yeah. and I, I, I basically copy and paste the same thing and reply. I'm like, I'm, I'm out of words and and expressions to try to explain what's going on. I guess number one, I was surprised they actually put Padilla in to start the second half. So I'll give them credit for that. After uh, three first half turnovers by Spectre, P- I mean Kurt, it, it, the uh, first first part of the game is Iowa's defense looking good, you know, but Iowa's offense rolls out there. The first passing attempt, and they roll them out to the left. And I mean, <laughs> there, there is just no defense for that throw. Okay. It, no, there's not, but hold on. As, as he's rolling out, I'm like, oh, oh, this is something different. This is what I've been asking for. We got to do something to try to spice. And by the way, that's as spicy as it's getting for Iowa's offense. I'm like, oh, they're rolling pitches right. out. This is exciting. Right. right. And then he just, like literally throws the ball right to the defender. There was no receiver. much like much like Stroud. Perfect placement. It, it was perfect placement. <laughs> couldn't hit him better. You couldn't have walked it down the field better to the to the defender. I, so where I'm at, or where I should say where I was at in the first half of this game, was you are not doing literally anybody on the planet any favors by continuing to play Spencer Petrus. You're not doing your fans uh, any service. You're your, your teammates, your other coaches, you're not doing – it's an insult to college football fans to have to sit there and continue to watch that. Non-Iowa fans. And most of all, you're not doing Spencer Petras okay. any favors I by continuing get... to play the guy. And that was... You're destroying the guy's confidence. And that's what I had said on Twitter. I'm like, I try to stay away from – I kind of ran it by you first. Like, am I okay to tweet <laughs> Tweet this I mean, out. Spencer Petrus's parents, you're not doing them any favors. I mean, I and but basically my point in my tweet was the kid needs a, a break. Yes. And um he's sitting there. And, and, the- and, and one specific fan took it and I said something like, There's there's you know, eighty four other scholarship guys that want to win. He took it as oh, it's P- Petrus doesn't want to win. That's not even remotely what I'm saying. I'm saying if you replace a defensive end with a, a different defensive end, it's also helping the other guys to win. This is not specifically, you know, against Petrus. I mean, it kind of is. But, like, the whole point is you have to always have the best players out there. And when you have somebody that's struggling, like, that bad, they need a break. Yeah. And, and now and and now this has ignited. There is a, of course, when your team is struggling, the fans start <clears throat> attacking each other. Iowa fans are attacking Iowa fans because there are still some, see, it's all about the offense and the offensive line. Padilla went in. Their, their stats are almost identical, to be honest with you. Yeah. With that being said, I know this. Like, this is how low the, the bar is set. And I, I think you pointed this out on Twitter. I thought I saw okay. it. But there was a couple plays where just Padilla's ability to get out of harm's way with the rush yeah reset his feet and throw it away i'm like oh, oh I, I, two, I, oh second and 10 as opposed to third and 17 second and 17 i was watching i was sitting there watching by myself at this point and i'm like oh that would have been a sack if it was petrus but it wasn't oh that would have been another sack but it wasn't so it, it, least, it is a difference it is a difference it is an improvement i know it doesn't look great but i think pity is your guy and um the right when you walk out i know this is like fan of team excuse but the the fumbled snap i mean the dude hasn't took a live snap I know, okay I know. can i just toss that one aside i think we can after that there was a, a pick don't get me wrong yeah. but it mostly looked better than what sadly it had looked all year can i throw a couple more things out this is me speaking directly to iowa fans okay no kirk and brian ference are not trying to lose 
games. <laughs> and another thing, Kirk that's Ferentz, just a, that's just on. crazy. Talk. You want to hear more crazy talk? Kirk Ferentz is not on the hot seat. Yes, I realize that he's probably going to be forced to make changes offensively. Kirk Ferentz is not going anywhere. Probably not because of the contract and also because of who he is. He well, deserves you credit. You think he has a little bit of equity after 20-some years? He deserves the, the equity. Okay, at the exact same time, we like to say a lot in this podcast, two things can be true at once. He deserves equity. He deserves, he deserves criticism. Too, right he's got to make changes, no doubt. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, I, I would... So the one thing I would say is this, is Brian Ferentz... I'm not making an, an outlandish statement here. Brian Ferentz would be fired in 99% of programs. Yep. And, and probably before... You know, today, I mean, we're recording this early Sunday there. You know, it wouldn't be outlandish no. to hear that he's not. But I don't think that's going to happen. Why? Because this is where the nepotism comes in, because this is this is my thoughts. OK, and I think there's a lot of Iowa fans that believe this. People need to look up Kirk Ferentz's stubbornness in keeping offensive coordinators throughout his tenure. Like Greg Davis's yep. offensive stats were fantastic, and Texas ran him out of town yep. with pitchforks and, and and torches. Okay, so Kirk Ferentz has he has never been the type of guy to make changes mid season. No. Okay. So what's happening up to this point? Honestly, I know people are going to think I'm crazy on this one. I think Kirk Ferentz wouldn't make a change at offensive coordinator even if it was Brian Thompson. That was, that was maybe, okay. Know, maybe. That's, that's my personal belief. The other thing I like to point out is once the season's over, <laughs> there needs to be heavy <clears throat> diagnosis. Okay. Just so everybody knows, technically speaking, Brian Ferentz's boss is Gary Barta. That is how the contract is set up. Okay. So Gary Barta, the athletic director has control to make a change. Interesting. Okay. What I think it plays into the father, son, AKA nepotism is, He's not going to fire Brian because he will give him a chance to make it a more friendlier for everybody move where we can say Brian Ferentz has moved on to the NFL. Yeah. And it's not so much of a, you know, because if you're actually fired, but at the, after the end of the season, you just say, I'm moving to the NFL. Yeah. Which, by the way, I think he'll actually do well as a O-line coach or Probably. running game yeah. coordinator. Um, I think that's how it goes down. So yeah. that's and that, but that goes back to the point you made is that KF has enough equity where he should be allowed to do that for sure. Um, so want to hear some more gross stats here? Not really. Okay, Sam Laporta had six receptions, right? Pretty yeah. good day. Uh, sixty or fifty-five yards. I'm sorry. The rest of the team had five receptions. One of those was another tight end. So that's if you're keeping score at home, or even if you're alone, seven receptions for tight ends and four for wide receivers in this game. Yeah, Luke Lachey, by the way, um, his dad calls the Ohio State games for their radio network. Does he so really? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So, no kidding. Um, so, I mean, yeah. just going down, and it, part of this is Ohio State's good defense, or, yeah, defense, but first downs, eight. Third down efficiency, one of 13. Total yards, 158. Passing, 81. Rushing, 77 at a 2.2 clip. Six turnovers. A lot the, of yikes. Yeah, we didn't there. even we didn't even bring up okay, six turnovers. A lot of yikes is going down the yeah. sound sheet there. Um, what, what I, what Iowa fans just keep wondering is even if we just had the 2000 or 18, 19 Iowa offenses, that which by the way, still got made fun of nationally. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we beat Ohio state or Michigan, but no, but you probably have, you beat Iowa state, Iowa right? State for you sure. probably beat Illinois. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and I, and I'd like to point out too, like the Iowa state loss is inexcusable. You're going to be tough to find a team with three "quote unquote" better losses than at Ohio State, at Illinois, and Michigan at home. It's true. I, I'm just saying it's it has not been a good a, a, an easy schedule. No, should be four and three. That like I said, the, the Iowa State loss is inexcusable. With the win, Ohio State moves to a very impressive seven and zero. With the loss, Iowa drops to three and four. Next game up. Rutgers 24, Indiana 17. The Scarlet Knights with 305 yards of total offense to the Hoosiers 272. This game started with a Jalen Lucas 93-yard kickoff return. Yeah. Then, from there on out, Rutgers wins the game 24-7. to Now, the Hoosiers got up 14-0. Yeah. Okay? 
I just want to say, I think the number one take uh, takeaway from this game is, dude, so many other programs and teams and whatnot would fold, especially when it's a, a team that's not sure. sitting at the top of the standings. <clears throat> yeah. A Shiano team, though, fights back. Okay, I just want to give them all the credit in the world. Well, I want to give them all the credit in the world, but we also need to point out that they had not won. This is this is all over the broadcast, so it's not going to be news, but they had not won a home Big Ten game since November 4th of 2017, and it's 1,800-plus days, which, by the way, Eyes on Big Podcast isn't even 800, 1,800 days old. Correct. We have not seen them in our five seasons win a home conference game, which blew my mind. Like I, We saw some really bad Chris Ash teams, but I thought, well, I'm, Gianna, he's won a, a home. No. Ten, nope. Nope. Yeah. Maryland then, was their last win, November 4th, 2017. In a cruel twist of college football fate and irony, it happens – to Indiana, who picks up their seventh, seven hundredth loss, the first team to reach the seven hundred loss plateau in all of college football. Wow! Yeah, that, I forgot about That's that. A r- rough, it was a rough day for Tommy Allen and the and the Hoosiers. Yeah, maybe. But let's talk about Rutgers first. I did you hear the interview with Christian Braswell? By the way, that he's the guy that intercepted the pass, uh, basically sealed the game. Right, just enjoyable guy like just he was so happy he was just it's you know it's one of those interviews you you don't see very often where he was just literally saying what he actually felt and he right. was just over the moon it was just so, so happy for the guy good um it's funny Bert, at the uh, um beginning of the uh podcast last week when dns ds and i talked i said are there two games here a low scoring game that ruckers wins mm-hmm. or a high scoring game that the hoosiers win yeah it looked like at the beginning it was going to be a high-scoring game that the Hoosiers were going to win. By the way, and like an idiot, I chose a high-scoring game that Rutgers win, which wasn't the option. Um, but this did wind up looking like a, a Rutgers game. The stats, to point out, are not eye-popping. I mean, Noah Vedrill was but fine. I, I, but I do – to me, there's a noticeable difference with Vedrill in the game. I, I could not agree more. Yeah. And, and I should have listened to Rutgers fans <laughs> a little bit more on that because they were correct. But the team rushing was was darn good. I mean, 192 yeah. yards rushing. The average maybe not so great. Sam Brown is it the fifth? The V? That's a five, right? Yes, okay. the fifth. Wow. Yeah. Right, we got to look up Sam Brown one, two, three, and four if we saw any runners in that group there. But uh, 28 carries, 101 yards, and a touchdown. But really, the star of the game is just pick guys out on the Rutgers defense. Christian Izian, yeah. Deion Jennings, Aaron Lewis. I mean, I, he's an underrated name for for Big Ten. It's a good defense, right? I mean, they got shredded by Ohio State. Yeah. Everybody does. Everybody does. That's just a thing. Um, but like it's a good defense. You know, this 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 is a better Rutgers team than I gave them credit for. You know. For the, sure. The, the wins are going to be tough to find. Yeah. From here on out. But we are late in October, and it is a plausible scenario that Rutgers makes a bowl game. That is very impressive. Okay, and think about going back to your, your original statement is how this team could have folded down 14 nothing At three wins, it, you fold. You're three and four. Do you feel good about making a bowl game? No. The fact that they didn't fold, they bowed up. I'm, I feel pretty confident they can do it. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at what's left for the schedule. Um, we can do that real quick. Everybody loves it when you do live stuff on the podcast. So, okay, let's, uh, let's go ahead and... Chalk up Michigan as a loss, okay? At Minnesota, Michigan State, at Maryland. Those are all can winnable games. Two, can you win two out of those three? Those are winnable games. But the whole point I want to make is they have a chance to make, make it to a ball game. Yeah. So I And this is a year we were both pretty down on this team. Yeah. So that would be know. amazing if they can do that. So on the other side, Indiana. They they have to toss the ball around because if, all they an, if there is an even remotely physical front seven, their rushing attack is shut down. And I, you know, I was looking through the the stats today, and I look at like Sean Shivers. I'm like, only four attempts, but I mean, should he have more than that? Yeah, probably. But this I think is they what just they, feel hopeless trying to run the ball behind yeah, that old line. Right, you have to. Yeah, 
And it doesn't look great for Connor Bazelak. 23 of 41, meh, 210, yeah. 0 and 1. Not great. So we need a little more from him. And, of course, the pick six was just a yep. backbreaker. Huge, huge one. So with the win, Rutgers moves to 4 and 3 with the loss. Indiana falls to 3 and 5. Next game up. Wow. Wisconsin 35. Purdue 24. The Badgers with 381 yards of total offense to the Boilers 431. Misleading stat alert of the day. At one point, this game was 35 to 10 yep. entering the fourth quarter. So here's the question I have for you. Mm-hmm. At that time, is that the most surprising score in the Big Ten conference this year? Oh, this year. Boy. You know, it's interesting like that this – so I was surprised. You were surprised that Wisconsin was favoring this game, right? Yes. Two and a half points, I think, was what the spread. And, and I was like, the, oh, the that's only, a little surprising. Like, the, like, everything looked and made sense to me about this game except for the spread, which, of okay. course, and, I, and we talked about it on the – that's a, that's a signal. That's a signal. That, so, right. So, at the time – of course, I don't do the, the preview, but at the time I'm like, boy, would I have picked – Wisconsin to run away with this game? I'm not sure. Because it's not it's the opposite of what I thought was gonna happen. I yeah. thought this was gonna be a good game, close game. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think Purdue would just crush him. I never thought that. No. I, I predicted essentially Purdue would have a late touchdown, you know, to pull away or something like that. But But that was the giveaway, right? There was a giveaway here. But but there's it's just so tough because and I and I when I saw the line come out, I, I it's so weird. If Purdue would have come out favored by three. I would have put that one in first part of the week when they came out and they were dogs. I was like, I froze. Yeah. And then I started listening to other prognosticators, reading stuff, listening to podcasts. Everybody was picking Purdue and I'm like, screw it. I'm going to go with what I see. DS saw it too. This is a weird sport, man. It sure is. (laughs) And and we should probably talk about Wisconsin first, but I, I almost feel like I want to talk about Purdue because I, I, I feel a little silly. I was building them up. I was talking about Brahm and how great he is, and I was talking about how great this defense is. It's an underrated defense, but their defense is kind of unraveling now. It is it is unraveling. I saw some Purdue fans starting to kind of toss their defensive coaches yeah. you know, uh, down the drain a little bit. Hey, Braylon Allen looking 17 again in this game. Only 16 carries. I, I thought he could have had more, but at 113 yards, that's a 7.1-yard average. I don't know what to say other than I just felt it. he looked crisper in this game. He does. I mean, early in the season, these were the Badgers, but I think they're back to being the Badgers. They, they look like the Badgers. Uh, the fan, Their fans are getting puffy, chesty. Yep. The comments uh, from the players, they so... Um, <laughs> and then uh, spoke to a couple people that were in town for the game. Um, it was homecoming. Like Badger fans are pretty committed to it being Leon hard time moving forward. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and, and to them, this was enough to, to cement it. By the way, speaking of streets, streaks was 18 in a row. 18. I mean, maybe that is, or, what, is, or is this, or that make no, 19? I think it was 18. Okay. Uh, oh no. 16. I'm sorry. Six, oh, 16, 16 in a row. 15 coming in. Sorry. I'm getting it. So maybe that was what should have given it away. But this looked like, the Wisconsin beating Purdue in that streak. I know. Back when Wisconsin was great right, right. and Purdue was horrible and you expected it. Right. That's what made I, And by the way, another thing, trying to figure this shit out. <laughs> freaking Graham Mertz. I who is I mean is We have it, no idea. We have <laughs> and no we, idea. And he's only been playing for like three years. <laughs> Third year. He like he is the Jekyllist and Heidiest of a quarterback. I swear to God, I've ever, I, my, and we're not just talking game to game. We're talking series to series. Throw I guess to throw. I am, my advice, don't bet on the Badgers. Cause you just don't know no, who they, the hell's going to show up. Dude, they are. I don't think I've, I'm not sure if I've just got stay away right. from the game against period. the spread. I don't know if I've got them right. All, oh no, I did one, one week. Okay. I, think. I, I would just never put money on a Wisconsin game. You can't either, either direction. Um, here's a crazy, here's maybe the crazy stat of the entire weekend. The, Wisconsin had eight third downs in the whole game. They were two of eight on third down. They never they, got behind the chains. They, they never did. Yeah, it was it was a. I mean, going into this, you felt pretty good about Purdue's rushing defense. Yeah, I did. I used to. There I don't, were available yards everywhere. I, I don't feel good about Purdue's defense at all right not, now. Not right. I mean, 178 yards rushing. By the way, Aiden O'Connell winds up 
with 320 yards passing, Charlie Jones with 105 yards receiving, and Devin Mockaby with 108 yards rushing. But like, there should be yeah. a there, and there probably is like something called game over stats. Yeah, right. Because that's what they were. And this game, we literally turned the channel. It was, when it was 35 10. I'm like, this I mean, game. you just kept checking in on yeah. it. I mean, I was paying attention to the other game. We'll break down here in a little bit, but th- that is, it is. It is a thing. I think this is already beneficial, but it's officially <laughs> official now. Brom like Tom's teams are, they're like a teenage girl, man. They're so up and down. I, I don't know what else to say. Right. I, I mean, mean I, it's not like I, there's not like there's nothing to feel good about because you got AOC, you got Maccabi now. I mean, I feel great about Devin Maccabi. I thought that would be, of all the things they needed, there there it is. Now that'll only solidify them as a good team. I don't know. They, they're like, but this looks like the six and six Purdue teams where you're like great passing attack, but bad defense. Yeah. Or, or generally just even more general, great offense, bad defense. Purdue may well, be the Graham Mertz of teams in the big 10. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, what would happen if Graham Mertz played for Purdue? Oh Lord. Hall oh, that would like rip a hole in space time continuing or something. It'd be like, like wow. 500 yards a game and five interceptions. I think it's probably what it would look like. Yeah. Would they wide two or three touchdowns? <laughs> Anyways, wow. And a couple fumbles. So there was, I mean, there was, a, you know, a lot of teams watching that game cheering for Wisconsin. Your your fan base, oh, obviously, was being cheering. one of them. Yeah. At the time, Minnesota was two. Yeah. I'm probably going to wind up making that, that big of a difference with them. But anyways, with the win, Wisconsin moves to 500 at four and four with the loss. Purdue drops to five and three. Can we have fun real quick? Yeah. Um, this stat now does has lost its zing. But Darren the American and I, this okay. is, I remember I said I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Darren the American and I were talking this week. We have okay. our weekly football powwow where we figure yeah. out the whole universe. And uh, we started talking. We're like, when is the last time Iowa and Wisconsin have finished the month of October with a losing record? Mm. And, we, and we were just kind of spitballing it while we're talking. Okay. Take now, it's not going to happen now because Wisconsin is idle yeah. next week, so they're going to finish five hundred. Okay, so the, the stat essentially okay. continues on. Right. So do so. You're going to you're asking me when was the last? What time? year was it when the last time Iowa and Wisconsin finished the month of October okay. with losing records? And I'm going to need some time, listeners. I'm going to I got have to think about this. In fact, I may have to do an edit because I want to sit and really think about this. Okay. Let me know when you want a, a hint of some sort. Okay. I'm, I think I've narrowed it down to an era. Sure. Okay. I'm going to say the last time was 1978. You were close. 1980. Okay. Yep. 80. That surprises me. I thought I would have thought Iowa would be would have been better in 80. In 81 is, 81 when, it is when it took off. Is when it took off. Okay. Fry. Uh, so I had it just a little bit. It started turning towards the end of 1980. Okay. But 81. And and and, and uh, if you start going back to the, I, I like to the late 80s, it's it's incredible how bad Wisconsin was. Sure. I, for, I forgot how bad they were oh, in they the were 80s. Trust- Did you see I mean, that? I was, when I was looking through the records of Wisconsin, I'm like, Barry Alvarez is a wizard. Like he took over a proverbial dun- dumpster fire. But Iowa was so good in the 80s that there was never right. a year that it coincided. So you had to get. And so that's what I was mostly thinking about. Is yes. When was Iowa? When was the last time they were bad? And you can go back to, was it 99? They had a really bad team, but Wisconsin, Wisconsin was, was good. It, and that's another interesting thing about that exercise is when one is up, one is a little down and, you know, vice versa. Yep. It's rare that they're both great or both horrible at the same time. As it's amazing. Stats. Yeah. Thought, thought you'd have fun with that. Yeah, that's good stuff. Thanks for that. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates unique characteristics in each barrel that help produce one-of-a-kind whiskeys. Amador is made to be sip neat or is perfect in classic bourbon cocktails, just like your Favorite go-to Big Ten football podcast, Amador is the go-to whiskey this football season. Don't forget to hashtag Ask for Amador. And check out our new website and finder options so you can see where to find Amador near you at www.amadorwhiskeyco.com. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Zedman and I uh, uh, topped the night off with a couple. 
couple uh, Amador old fashioned. Yeah, I'm, I'm shaking off the good. the Amador cobwebs right now. Yeah. as it were had a had a few I, of those uh, last night. Well, I had enough cobwebs Sunday last week, so I was mixing in copious amounts of uh, uh, hydration drinks last yeah. night. Feeling pretty good. All right. Moving up to the deeper in the afternoon, Maryland, 31, Northwestern 24, the Terps with 423 yards of total offense to the Wildcats, 358. Now, going into this game, um, essentially the story is Northwestern is bad. Maryland was without their starting quarterback. Yeah. Right? It was a good game pretty much throughout the entire game. It's a surprisingly spicy good game. This was a spicy good game. Yeah. With that being said, mm-hmm. Maryland had all the chances in the world to cover the 13 and a half spread late. They were they had took over the game mm-hmm. after you know a feeling out process at quarterback, I think is what what I would say about it. They had took over the game. It was first and goal from the, I'm gonna say like the four. Okay. And fumbled a bad snap. I mean, it, literally you you could have suddenly then pointed out to how Maryland lost the game because of that snap. Then they take a sack and then their normally dead eye field goal kicker misses. And just like that, Northwestern has got the ball. They go right down the field and tie the game. Then Maryland gets the ball back one play long run touchdown. So, uh, or pass. I'm, I'm trying to think of it. So, I'm just saying, like, that's how quick this game went from Northwestern definitely covering yeah, it was to the Maryland hem- covering yeah. to Mar- to Maryland almost covering again. It was the Hemby run. The Hemby run. The long yes. Hemby run, which, by the way, it's, this guy is probably my sneaky favorite non-Illini player right now. He is fun to watch. At least, at least amongst youngsters. 24 carries, 179 yards, and three touchdowns. They just... They leaned on Roman Hemby to win this game for them. Okay, so in big red letters, you can see right here, good job, Locks. Yes. Like, I mean, he always wants to – he wants the throw game to be noticed. However, he has evolved as a head coach and play caller and no doubt. game planner. I mean, DS and I talked about how we thought it would lean on the rushing attack. Mm-hmm. But still, you got you to gotta do it. You know, you got to go – you actually call the plays and lean on the rushing attack. They took over in the second half and it was because of the rushing attack. Yeah. So obviously you got one hand tied behind your back. Billy Edwards, not the same quarterback that Leah is. And we always talk about coming out of the locker room, how good locks is struggled out of the gate, both, they, both out of, to start the game and out of the gate. So Leah, Leah is maybe a big part of, Oh the, no, but I mean, yeah. yeah. So, you know, Maryland, we talk about how they usually come out of the gate, score a touchdown. First drive, punt. Next drive, punt. Next drive, punt. Then they started gaining momentum. And then out of the second second half, out of the half, what do they do? Touchdown. Yeah. Locks making adjustments. Love it. And, yeah, and I mean, the Billy Edwards passing stats aren't great. 18 to 20, 866 yards. But the rushing, 16 carries. 16. That's a lot of rushing attempts for a quarterback, man. That, and he's 66 yards. That's a 4.1 yard average. That's not bad. That's that was a. I mean, that was a big part of the attack. That's a dimension right there. It's a uh, dimension of the offense. By not, the way, I, I mean, just in case I forget to say it at the end, I think Maryland should be ranked. I guess the I don't know if the rankings are out or not because they're now they're idle next week, and then they'll get. I think they'll get Leah back. I mean, they, they deserve. Now they got tough opponents coming up here, but they deserve to be ranked. Six and two. I don't know how they can't be. And and in the 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 mighty East, right? That's yeah. so much better than the West. And it is this year. It is. But but yes, they deserve. Yeah, to be, they absolutely deserve to be ranked. And um, by the way, first win ever for Maryland over Northwestern. Really? Yeah. I mean, obviously, a part of that's because they haven't played. They haven't that played much, that very much. I would not have expected. And that. I should have looked up how many times I played. But first win hmm. ever. Speaking of Northwestern, definitely look better. Um, Brandon Sullivan. Okay, but do you think, like, one question: Did you? Do we know that Holinsky was going to get benched here? Was that a known thing? No, or is I, that just no, kind of? It's always a mystery coming out of the idol. I mean, that was what made me nervous. That was the one thing that made me nervous about playing Maryland minus 13.5 is because it was an idle week. And I think Fitzy is pretty well known sure. for mixing things up coming off an idle week. That was it. It was Brendan Sullivan. His stats stat line wasn't good. I mean, 143 yards passing. I don't know what, what, I don't know. I'm not sure I agree with that move. Okay. 
but the rushing attack was, I mean, dude, 46 carries, 215 yards. I'm not saying yeah. Maryland's front seven is a brick wall, but we have not seen that out of out of uh, Northwestern's rushing attack that much this year. Yeah, so good point. Maybe did they find something in the rushing? Maybe attack? they did. Yeah, but I don't know. I just Evan Hole, nice day, 119 yards. I mean, Sullivan looked fine. Yeah, it's just I don't know that ju- that you were justified benching Holinsky here. Maybe it's a situation where they're like. We just got to try something. Maybe well, unlike Iowa, not just tr- <laughs> they're like we, we got to try try mix. something. Yeah. Also, I don't think they're going to a bowl this year. That's a good point. So start looking at the future. Eh, all right. I, there's probably a lot behind that. I mean, they're they're not disqualified, but they're on the edge of being disqualified. They right, are they are flirting with dis- with with it right now. Uh, with the win, Maryland moves to six and two, with their only losses being Michigan and Purdue. I mean, that's two pretty decent losses. That's not I guess, bad. Is what I'm saying. Um, also, want to point out Bryce Gallagher before we move on. This looks like he, he's starting to look like those Gallagher. linebackers of old. Uh, yes. He had 16 tackles, seven of those were solo, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. He was good all on the field. Unfortunately, the stat line that doesn't look good is this one with the loss. Northwestern falls to one and six. All right, that brings us to our last game, the Big Ten game of the week. I got a question for you. All right, sir. Before we start, our guy Danimal. Yeah. Friend of the pod. Yep. Friend in life as well. Went to the game. Went to the game. Had a great time. Great picture. Him and his wife. I mean, it was a fun first half for, for it a was, while. It was, yeah. There. So I'm sure. And, they, and, and, you know, they take in all of the fun. Here's the question to you. Okay. You're, picture yourself being an Illinois fan. You're going to the whiteout game. They're, Penn State is playing Illinois. Illinois. They have selected Illinois as the okay. whiteout game. What color shirt do you wear? Do you be a agreeable fan and wear a... A line eye shirt, yeah, but but white. Or do you purposely stand out and wear orange? I mean, just because of my who I am as a person, I wear orange. Okay. But I know Dan more white, right? Yes, he did. Okay, but that and that's... you I know like is Dan's nicer than me, and you. Yes, he's much nicer than me. Uh, but that's the right thing to do. I think it is the right. And thing And I to may do. actually even in my older age, I'm getting soft. I might actually wear white. I think I would wear white, and my guess is Penn State fans were probably warm and receptive to Dan wearing white and his wife. Uh, our guy Perk helped Dan out with some game day knowledge around Happy Valley. Oh, cool. So shout okay. out to Perk. Awesome. As well. Perk had a nice day. Why? Well, because Penn State 45, Minnesota 17. The Nittany Lions with 479 yards of total offense to the Gophers, 340. In my opinion, this is my thought process. I believe Penn State's, I believe Penn State's uh, defense deserves more of the credit than Penn State's offense for how many points were on the board. Because in my mind, this was a situation where Minnesota's defense just wore down because they were out on the field so much. Because, I mean, Penn State's defense came to play in this game. Uh, here's here's what I saw. I saw defense and I saw tight ends. Yes. And the and it, this is just this was old school Big 10, old school Penn State. It did. It did. And here's another thing I want to point out. I have no stats to back this up. I am going off a feeling. You tell me if I'm correct or not. The the James Franklin record versus top 10 teams and ranked teams, it's not fantastic. No, not good. Not good. However, James Franklin in games like this where it's a tight spread versus a on the yeah, line he seems of, dominant in these he games. He's dominant in these games. Like, Isn't that weird? Again, not a trend guy. I hate trends. That might be one to look at. Like, it's and and I feel that the team plays looser and more aggressive in games like this. They do. Yes. Like you, this Michigan had obviously something to do with it. Penn State looked better yesterday, last night. They, they just looked better. They did. This isn't a bad rushing defense for Minnesota, and it's a really darn good secondary. Well, that's, but they got carved up in the secondary. That's the other thing. I, I think the one thing that also sticks out is the rushing yards. 175 yes. rushing yards against a really good Gopher defense at a 5.1 clip. That gives me confidence for Penn State for the remainder of the year. Uh, Sean Clifford, 295 yards passing. Another quarterback who started with a pick and threw four straight touchdowns. Four touchdowns in this game. No rushing attempts by Sean Clifford. That's Why? unusual. Right. Why? Nick Singleton, 13 carries, 79 yards. Catron Allen, 15 carries, 77 yards. If they can have, if this is what they can do for these two running backs for the next year or two 
where they both get about the same amount of yards yeah. and 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 carries. That's what you. That's ideal, right? I, I think I think both Allen and Singleton would be okay with that. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I know Singleton was the headliner of the recruiting class, but. It's a thunder and lightning thing that is just impressive. It's just, uh, yeah, Theo Johnson was a huge recruit. Yes. He's been virtually invisible he, at Penn State. He, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, I would say he's been more flashy than consistent. He, he's okay. fla- He's flashed. A little he, bit, yes. but he's, was this his breakout game? Maybe yeah. five catches, 75 yards, had that nice touchdown catch. And maybe part of it is they're just looking for him a little bit more. I don't know, but he looked good. I mean, then you got Tyler Warren. He had a touchdown, another tight end. Brennan Strange is probably their their best tight end. They barely barely even used him, though. So yeah. they, gotta, they, gotta, they go three deep at the tight end tight position. End. And I think they need to lean into that because still not completely sold. With their wide receivers? No, I'm not either. But like, but they're not void of talent. And either. well, Parker did have that amazing yes. catch. He had one amazing catch. We just need to see more consistent out of Parker Washington too. Speaking of tight ends, Brendan, uh, Brevin Span Ford. Yeah, he's he's the only weapon that they have in the passing game. He is the only. It's weapon. It's, really kind of embarrassing. By the to way, watch. Did you know, Dalen Wright didn't even travel. I mean, do I, we know why? I don't know if we know the reason, but okay. I, I think a T and a P is in his future is what it's feeling. I mean, like the Minnesota wide receivers from where they were to where they're at now, it's, it's, it's one of the more baffling big 10 West questions. Um, quarterback, Ethan Kelly Manis nailed it. Still going to call him AK 08. Cause it's just, I can't, I can't spit that word salad out the rest of his career here. Not, not a great day. Nine to 22, 175 yards, one touch, one pick. Don't, don't fret too much here. Minnesota yeah. fans like first start white out. Like, uh, yeah, that's a little rough. One, one, um, bright point for bright spot for Minnesota mole. Ibrahim 30 carries 102 yards streak alive for games. He played in, did, yeah, I think okay. 15. So he's still tracking to be, he can That's get, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, one more. Did you know that Mo had his 43rd touchdown, which ties the all time go for record with Daryl Thompson? Really? Yeah. He's going to bust a record. I got the think. great Daryl Thompson. Yeah. Whom I've met. Have you really? Yeah, I met him at a Gophers practice. All right. He just walks by me. He's the nicest guy. Really? First of all, he he just he played so big that he. he I was, was going to ask you. He wasn't as big as I would have expected. Okay. He was okay. probably about my height. I'm okay. just a little under six feet. But he was he like he had this big smile on his face, yeah. and he walks right by me, and he goes, "Hey there," and he sticks his hand out. Nice like guy. like I'm like I'm the guy he wanted to meet. I'm always referring like, like <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, like no, I was like good, oh weird. And I shook his head. I go, oh my god, yeah. that was Daryl Thompson. Um, speaking of of fan bases with roller coaster seasons, I mean nobody wow. was higher than oh, Minnesota. Man. I know. I feel. And, and I mean to start out four zero eight eight as dominant of a four zero as you can possibly see to drop in three. And the thing is, is like. I can't put my finger on it. Maybe it's as simple as crab going down, but Kurt, yeah. you cannot convince me that the Minnesota team that we saw through the month of September was not a great team. I know this I know. team right here is struggling. They're struggling. I don't man. get it. And then with Penn state, I mean, I think this is their best performance of the year. Yeah. I don't, it is. I don't think that's obviously, but with Penn State fans, they felt good. Then they felt a little bit better. Then they felt pretty darn great. The Michigan loss kneecapped them. I think they feel a lot better after this win. And, hey, Penn State fans, let's say you lose to Ohio State next week. Okay. If you if you go 10-2 and two and win your bowl game, wouldn't have you kind of signed up for that at the beginning of the I year? I think so. I mean, it's a... It's a tough task to beat Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, it is. With the win, Penn State moves to six and one. With the loss, Minnesota falls to four and three. Weekly Eisman, um, shout out to Rutgers defense. I thought I'd throw that yep. in there. Um, Sean Clifford, great day yep. against a darn good defense. The Penn State rushing attack in general. And maybe this is sort of, you know, tongue in cheek type of deal, but we're giving it to CJ Stroud. Yeah, twenty of thirty. That's right, Ohio yards. State fans. We're giving it to C.J. Stroud. <laughs> and that, yes, that is part of the reason. Like, that is a good Iowa defense. He stayed in the game and was incredible to the end. Okay, um, real quickly, I'm going to go through my uh, Big Ten, aka power rankings. 
I've got Ohio State one and Michigan two. Mm-hmm. Um, no brainers. Okay, I do think there's there's a conversation on who could be number one, but right now, Stroud is just such an advantage at yeah. the quarterback spot. You got to put him yeah. one. Next level down, like if we're doing this in tiers, number three, Illinois, number four, Penn State. Okay, I, You could flip-flop them, but I you, don't think that's unfair. Okay, you could flip-flop them. Here's, here's my thing. Um, Penn State beat Minnesota worse than Illinois, but they get them at home in a whiteout. Yeah. So there's there's a difference there. Um, they got Illinois got Tanner Morgan the whole game. This was a ver- first start for a freshman. Yeah. So it's close between very close to in the end. Still, there's just more things I trust with Illinois than Penn State. And, is that fair? And would you also say that that is your second tier? Those two teams together are Absolutely. your second tier. Yep. First tier is the okay. first two teams. Next tier. Yep. Then you could kind of have a potpourri of teams. It gets tough after this, but Maryland five. Yes. I've moved Wisconsin all the way up to six. Yeah. I don't trust them. Fully yet, but, but, but okay, the next team below Purdue, I can't put, I can't put Purdue. Can't in, put no uh, uh, in front of. No, but it, the thing it's is, Wisconsin. the thing is, is but Purdue beat Maryland. See, right. See what's going on here. And by the way, so the, these are all the same tier, though. You're yeah. putting Purdue in the same tier. I would put Maryland, Wisconsin, Purdue. I would probably eh, the tier right there. Okay. At eight, Minnesota. Yeah. Nine, Michigan State. Ten, I have Iowa, mm-hmm. and eleven, Nebraska. There was a, the Cuzcast. They put out a list of top. They had the exact same list, except oh. they had Nebraska in front of Iowa. Okay. And I said. Well, Nebraska's two and two in, in the conference. Right. Uh, three and four overall. Iowa's three and four overall. Wisconsin's loss, or Nebraska's losses are to Georgia Southern Northwestern. A horrible loss versus Oklahoma and oh. and Purdue. Purdue's a good loss. Yeah. But I'm just saying, Iowa's losses are to Michigan, yeah, yeah. Ohio State, and and uh, Illinois. Now the Iowa State loss is bad, but that to me is the and then the deciding factor. Then Rutgers twelve. But hold on, is that your the end of the tier? That is an that is an end of the tier. So got, I, actually, you know what? I'd put Rutgers in that next tier. Okay, so you've right got there. Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State, State, Iowa, Nebraska, Nebraska and Rutgers all together. Yep. Okay, and then I would put Indiana in a tier of its own, and then at fourteen, I would put Northwestern in a tier of its own. Really? Yeah. You're going to... Gonna... Northwestern's one and six. One and five. One and six. Yeah, good point. In, Indiana has three wins anyway. Can you put those in the same tier? Do no, you, you got to... And do you put... I mean, Indiana Rutgers were so close yesterday. Could you put them in the same tier? I don't know. It's a tough one there, but... As far yeah. as the list rankings itself, I it just gets tough when you get in the middle because teams that... Like Purdue ranked below Maryland, I would expect Purdue fans to be like, are you nuts? Because they're going to look at it through a Purdue point of view. Sure. But, you know. There's one thing I noticed. There's more tiers than we usually have. I think that's fair. Yeah. And more muckiness in the tiers themselves. Yeah. Which makes for a good season. Yeah, enjoy it, man. Um, what, there, there was a lot of ranked teams that went down yesterday um, trying to pull out. Alabama responded very well. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss was a little overrated, I think. Um, I don't know. A lot of good games. Kansas State broke my heart last night. Yeah. Other than that. All right, you got anything else? No, sir. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.